0: As I mentioned earlier, we are in something of a liturgical collision this year. So focusing on the baptism of the Lord feels like a great leap forward. And in fact, if you think about it if in real time, yesterday Jesus was an infant and the kings were visiting. Today he's a grown up and he's meeting John the Baptist at the Jordan. It really is difficult but spiritually speaking, which is what we are to focus on, we look at the baptism of the Lord in by John in the Jordan. and when I did that I found two verses that came struck me. One was from Psalm 29. We often sort of gloss over the psalm but in Psalm 29 and it was our response line to the, our reader, and in the temple of the Lord, All are crying glory. This verse echoes the voices of the angels appearing to the shepherds singing glory to God in the highest. The experience of Isaiah in the temple where the seraph were chanting holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And scriptures too numerous to cite here refer to God's glory. In the Acts of the Apostles, Paul encounters a group of disciples in Ephesus and asks them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you were baptized? And they responded, no, we have not even heard of the Holy Spirit. Now, there are some Christians we could say that about, but we won't go there. Finally, we come to the gospel according to Mark, where we heard that Jesus baptized with the Holy Spirit, and then as he emerges, he says, You are my son. We hear the theophany, God's voice. You are my son, the beloved. With you I am well pleased. With you I am well pleased. So when we consider our scriptures today, we find ourselves moving into a whole different understanding of who this Jesus is who came among us. He is God's beloved Son, and all are crying glory. The scriptures invite us to encounter this Jesus, the one in whom God's fullness is revealed. That is what the Epiphany season is about the revelation of God to God's people. And it deepens our awareness of this revelation. These moments of encounter and recognition are part of our faith journey. The Magi recognizing Christ as King. God proclaiming Jesus, his beloved son. And we hear again in the epiphany readings, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. In many ways, we each walk in darkness and have moments when the glory of the Lord breaks into our consciousness and brings us a keener realization of the mystery of the Incarnation through our own baptism by water and the Holy Spirit. I think almost everyone here has been baptized in water and the Holy Spirit. This is a grace-filled work of the season of Epiphany, this recognition of who Jesus is and how we are in relationship with Jesus. In our Christian journey, we have the gift of the liturgical season, which brings this to our attention. In this wonderful invitation to deepen, broaden, and enliven our faith and the way we live our faith, One of the, what shall I say, unknown saints, certainly it is a name that is not going to ring a bell with you, was a woman, a holiness preacher, born in 1823. And she came to my mind because I learned about her uh, when I was doing some studying in church history and read this fascinating book called They Walked in the Spirit, personal faith and social action in America. And this historian over at uh, Wesley Seminary highlighted people that are really not highlighted very often, and Julia Foote is one of them. And Julia Foote was born a free woman in Schenectady, New York in 1823. She grew up in a social climate of unremitting racism. As a woman of color, she carried the double burden of racial, gender, and gender discrimination. Foot fought against these cultural barriers throughout her life. Like many black women today, her attack upon prescribed social boundaries was stubborn, determined, and sometimes even ornery. I like that part. Foote's unshakable perseverance in the face of oppression has earned her and other 19th century African-American women preachers a place of honor among contemporary womanist scholars. How is it that I turn to the holiness tradition? Well, I find it informs my own faith. It is so different from the way I approach understanding Jesus that it wakes me up a little bit and helps me to say, oh, did I really know the Holy Spirit? Do I really know the Holy Spirit and the power of the Spirit in our lives? Certainly a woman like Julia Foote understood her spirituality to be interrelated with her vocational purpose. And for over 50 years, she had this single-minded mission. She knew that her single-minded mission was to testify to the sufficiency of the blood of Jesus Christ to save all from sin. Now, that's a quote from her work. That is sort of not the way I go about things, but it does help me to say, well... Maybe I should wake up a little bit. Maybe I should understand Jesus in a new way. Maybe I shouldn't be so reticent about proclamation. So allow me to share, and I know it's like way outside our experience, but I'm going to share with you this morning her writing about her own conversion. And think about those disciples in Ephesus. We haven't even heard about the Holy Spirit, okay? And then in in the temple, all cry glory. So hold those two. She writes, I was converted when 15 years old. It was on a Sunday evening at a quarterly meeting. As the minister dwelt with great force and power on the text, I beheld my lost condition as I never had done before. No tongue can tell the agony I suffered. I fell to the floor, unconscious, and was carried home. Several remained with me all night, singing and praying. In great terror, I cried, Lord, have mercy on me, a poor sinner. A ray of light flashed across my eyes, accompanied by the sound of a far-distant singing. The light grew brighter and brighter, and the singing more distinct, and soon I caught the words this is the new song redeemed redeemed i at once sprang from my bed where i had been lying for 20 hours without meat or drink and commenced to sing redeemed redeemed glory glory such joy and peace as filled my heart when i felt that i was redeemed and could sing the new song Thus was I wonderfully saved. So outside our experience. But so rich an experience of God in her life. And I wonder how it is that God breaks into our lives. Not with such drama probably. We are after all Episcopalians. (laughs) For us it might be the sun on a summer day that brings us to think about God's glory. For us, it might be, well, for me this morning, I'll tell you what it was. I'm driving down the parkway trying not to get killed and lo and behold, there are two beautifully big birds sitting in a tree near the water at the marina. And I looked up, not too long because, of course, I would have gotten killed, but there were two bald eagles. Well, it was a moment. You know, it was that moment where the glory of God shone in a very ordinary way. And that's what our epiphany season is about. Waking up to the fact that God reveals God's self to us in many ways. And, you know, if some of you feel so moved to grab your heart and collapse, we'll carry you home, but I hope that perhaps will will take another route, uh, but it really is a great tradition. And I think sometimes we're afraid of other Christian traditions. I remember once at the Church of St. Clement, a group needed to have a, a larger facility for a funeral. And it was an African American community, and they came and asked, I said, "Certainly wonderful." And I knew some of the members of the community, and one of them came up to me and said, Pastor, don't worry, I didn't damage the floor. And I said, well, what was that about? Well, they were dancing during the funeral, and, you know, really dancing. So I said, oh, don't worry, it's a stone floor. It could take it. But anyway, it's a different tradition, different way of understanding God, and yet it can open something for us. So two things let's be open to the other and let's cherish what God calls us to testify to in our lives. One of the great uh, little sayings uh, that I particularly like is from uh, A Little Wisdom by Anne Lamott. And she wrote, I do not understand the mystery of grace, only that it meets us where we are and does not leave us where it found us. And so may God meet you where you are, and not leave you where he found you. Amen.